Welcome to No Queries, the podcast about everything data. I'm Eric, and with me is Amber. Hi. <laughs> so, since since last time, um, how's it going? <laughs> what have you been up to? Ooh, what can I share about what I've been up to? Um, let's see. I'm working at a really large company, uh, coming from a very small company, and it is a drastically different um, in a lot of ways and some good and some bad. Um, but it's, uh, it's starting to get to that like five months timeframe. So it's a little bit more overwhelming than it was before. Um, it's different. We spent a lot of time planning. Yeah. So last time you were spending a lot of time planning, are you still Mm -hmm. planning? Have you started now we're, now we're planning and building at the same time. Um, you got to start at some point. (laughs) So we spend more time planning than building, uh, which means we've changed the things that we're building uh, multiple times. So not the thing you are supposed to do. But I mean, you could spend forever planning and never start. I think that's the part of like the architect that will always try and go for perfection. And that like agile part of you that it's like, okay, but you have to have a cutoff point. Yeah. Where's your cutoff point? When are you going to stop trying to change it? Produce something. And then come back we also for like, another iteration. Sometimes you have to start building to know exactly. Like, yeah. Especially, I don't know, like with what I'm doing, we just sort of had to go for it. And then we learned so because we had no idea the data is really confusing and not many people understand it. So we just sort of had to like do it and then present it and be like, tell us what we did wrong. And now like all the finally the experts are coming by and being like, oh, no, this this weird thing is this and this, you know, it means this and finally like breaking it down. And then, you know, we take another stab at it. And, and as we understand think, the data better, I think that's the the hard part about this one is that it's um, there's not, there's not a lot of time for another stab at it. Right. Like you can build on it, but um, if you get to, I mean, even another month in, if we found out that something was, uh, so wrong with it that it wouldn't work, we would be in so much trouble. Yeah. Um, so it, you get a little bit more leeway at a smaller company where um, there's kind of more time to refine and, and, and redo some things. Um, the, the thing about doing the big company is where everything has been so much time on planning. They expect you to really have that plan done by right. the time you're, you're actually building um, and so I've done a couple iterations of it um, in the past, and it is building on things that I've done before. Um, but it is not um, it's not every bit of it is is exactly what I expected it to be. You having fun? Some days. <laughs> so I'm past that honeymoon phase. So some days I'm banging my head against the table, and I'm like, "What are we doing?" Um, and then some of the other days, it's uh, it's a lot more fun. And and what I am doing is is absolutely amazing. Um, it's one of those things where you have like that imposter syndrome and you spend right. one day going, I don't have a clue what I'm doing. Why did anybody hire me? Yeah. <laughs> Why am I here? And what am I doing with my life? Um, and then the next day I'm like, you know what? I don't know anybody that could have done something like this, um, planned it and built it in right. that amount of time. Very few people have that skill set. Um, right now we're working with um, Azure Data Factory. and uh, we're having trouble finding people with that 
um, that skill set, even just to have done it before. Right. Um, and I don't think it's a very complicated thing, but as I train new people in it, it's, I, I guess it's more complicated than what I remember from learning it, you know, several years yeah, ago. Now. It's, it's tricky. I would say more than complicated. You kind of have mm. to see but The funny thing is when we were learning this, like, three years ago, there wasn't anything to like you Google something and you get no answer. Right. There's actually stuff out there now. Yeah. 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 So like people are having a really easy time finding some things. It took me a really long time right. to figure out. It's also, out. they fix some things that make it a lot easier. <laughs> sad too. There's some things that work a lot better than the early days. Yeah. I mean, they, they started their first release with like everything was JSON. Right. Oh yeah. Um, it was just unusable. Which was unusable, but if you look at some of the like dynamic stuff you can do with JSON, once you dive into it and you dissect the whole thing, you just want to go right back to JSON. Yeah. It's the weirdest thing. Um, it's like, I don't know, it's like going back to like HTML and CSS and and looking at like the automated applications like Dreamweaver or something that would kind of visualize the whole thing for you and then write the code in the back end. And um You'd eventually just get frustrated and want to go right back to the code. Yeah. Same, uh, same thing with Power BI I found is like, it's all this like weird transformation. You just pull up like the, what, what do you call it? The M code behind it or whatever. Mm -hmm. And you just, okay, now it's all here just listed out. And right. it's so much easier to view. <laughs> now like, oh, that's where that weird transformation so is happening. Much sense. Yeah. 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 So, but it's, I, I like tools that do that are, they have, a UIN to kind of help you guide you, but then they have access to the code. That's what Jeremy yeah, cares about SSIS is that like, once you got it down, like there was no quicker way to do it. You couldn't just go in the code and do it. Well, yeah, but nobody, I was the only person, <laughs> literally the only person in the United States that used Bimmel the day that I did it. And I was like, okay. <laughs> no, I, th I remember having a bunch of classes and stuff on Bimmel, but yeah, I think um, Bill was more a theory than a practice, I feel like, because when I actually tried to implement it, like I never implemented. Yeah, I, I did it. I did it at one place. I was like, I'm going to because it was like the perfect case of like they rebuilt the same package over and over and over again. And I'm like, it's so painful to did do an SSIS. Did they build it or did they copy it? Well, they copied it, but then they have to tweak stuff. And then, oh. you know, how like SSIS was, you would change one thing and it would break everything oh. and you'd have to go and, and, and like double, you'd click around and get carpal tunnel in like <laughs> an, less than an hour. And it would unmap all of your, and, yeah, it would unmap everything. You'd have to go in and like click everything and map it back. And then your wrist broke. And so like, it was the most painful was. part of SSIS. Yeah. Like, but it was like the ability to get to that point. It was great. It was super yeah. helpful to have the tools to like click and drag and understand the process and the programming behind it. But like once you got it down and you needed to recreate the same thing, you had to do the whole, if it took you five hours to make one, it would take you five hours to do the second one. There was no like room for improvement. Yeah. Because you had to right. redo everything and all of the, the pointers would have to get reset yep. or it would error. So that's where Bimmel could come in and you could actually use code to, mm -hmm. to all the pointing and things, but yeah. it was, um, <laughs> wasn't the greatest. That probably the remapping probably took me more time than anything else just to convince myself to sit down and do it. Oh yeah. It was like, and that was like a day you'd had to commit <laughs> to like, I'm going to just repoint, refix this package. <laughs> like, yeah. Just don't want to do it. So with ADF, there's this option to just not, right. Just not map things. Well, yeah, that's the best part. Beautiful. And what I find is that developers will go in and they'll import the schema and I'm like, whatever you do, do not import this schema. 
whatever it is, don't do that. But it auto mapping and that's your naming convention becomes so important at that point. Mm-hmm. Like my current one that is one through 44. It's <laughs> a nightmare. One through 44? That's how they're coming in. Oh boy. Like prop one through 44 or like. Just the numbers one through 44 what? is my column names that I then have to what? rename everything. Who does that? Oh. <laughs> Uh, is it like a file that comes in and it doesn't have any headers yes. or okay? Yeah. Huh. Uh, and it actually, the problem is it has a bunch of pre lines. The headers are embedded into, and I just have to skip them all and go straight to the data. Oh. And so it just numbers them. Just some sort of like weird converted from Excel to um, skipping it's, lines. It's a it's an engineering software that only an engineer would know of. So um, it's just a, a weird. You know, like those engineering software is pretty, tends to be pretty old. Where's Ernesto at when we need him to rant? Um, <laughs> it tends to be pretty old and, uh, you know, mm-hmm. not the best outputs. So yeah, sort um, of dealing with that. We've got some mainframe stuff that we're dealing with right now, which wow. is hilarious. Yeah, it's, I'm very much so like, nope, somebody else can do that one. Um I, the, one of the first things I worked on was like an AS 400 system, mm-hmm. but I would not say that I got far enough in that to, um, to really learn enough about it, but I've always intentionally not because I know that's going to be that skill set that people go after, but it's not the one that I want. Yeah. To be it's, out for. it's one of those, like, like any like obsolete tech like that is like, you could build like a little niche in it. Oh yeah. And where you're like, art like. Yeah, AS400 RPG programmers, like all that kind of stuff. Like Like the moment somebody finds out you have experience in that. Yeah, I worked at a bank, like Mm -hmm. and they used AS400. And yeah, it's like there's a very select group of people that still work on it. And so, but you're also very limited in your jobs. (laughs) I just don't want to be. We're going to be working in a bank. I guess that's the whole thing with choosing cloud solutions and and doing that so early on in the game was making sure that I had a niche in that and not in something like right. AS400. But um, what was it? COBOL had a, a big... Um, yep, with the um, healthcare. It's yeah. huge in healthcare. Yeah. It's huge I in... It, wasn't it um, the IRS was, was doing a bunch of it too? Um, yeah, any um, IRS, the VA mm-hmm. is really known for its old COBOL <laughs> systems. So you um, know that and like you're kind of a shoe-in for a yeah. lot of those places. But yeah. Um, but yeah, we're with the the struggling with people to find um, ADF experience is an interesting one because it's such a it's an ETL tool. Like if you can do, I mean, I th- I really think if you can do SSIS, it's very intuitive yeah. too. I I feel like I picked it up pretty quick. I mean, there's mm-hmm. some interesting things with just the way Azure works, but mm-hmm. um, it's not it's nothing. I feel like yeah, any if you've used any of the big ETL tools, yeah, it kind of fits that mold. It's a little different, but it sort of fits that. They've made some really cool um, new updates in it, but one of the one of the challenges we're we're having right now is um, CI/CD with ADF mm-hmm. that is not Azure Pipelines. Why anybody is so insistent to do this is beyond me. Right, but it's but become, that's what they want. That's what they want. Yeah. Yeah. And so we are struggling with getting a real continuous integration with anything other than Azure pipelines. Super painful. Yeah. But try anything else. So yeah. That's kind of my my big company rant there is 
big companies already have the tools they want to use. And when you're right. trying to introduce something that is new or different, it's, uh, you know, you can't introduce a whole stack of new things unless the company is really um, ready to go down that entire um, kind of stack. And that's the one thing with Azure is their tools integrate so incredibly well with the ones they have that fit it. But um, outside of that, it's, it's more of an unknown. I find myself right back in that space yeah. of like, we're going to Google this and there's going to be nothing there because nobody has done this one yet. And maybe three or four years, there's going to be a whole bunch of stuff out there about how to do it. I think they do better year, at it than they used to. Like, I mean, going back to SSIS, like that didn't want to touch anything that wasn't oh, Microsoft. Gosh, yeah. But. And that's true. Cause it's not that it can't, it's just that it, Problem it's is, all built off of APIs, right? Yeah. So, so it, it probably can do it. It's just nobody's really done it mm-hmm. because they're all using a purpose-built stack. Yep. It's like all the early adopters of cloud stuff, which is like, okay, let's we're gonna pick AWS, we're gonna pick Azure, yeah. and we're just gonna go do it. Yeah, and you're and we don't have to worry cloud. about, yeah, we're gonna take all the new things and we're just gonna do it. Yeah. But now that like larger companies are moving it, like all these like you know, hybrid transitional state ones, like all the banks and the healthcare that I work for, like yeah, they're going to be like, oh, no, we still want to we want to be cloud. We're going to pick Azure, but we don't want to use all the Azure. We just want to use these five. Things. Here's the interesting thing is what I'm finding is that they are using multi-cloud. Mm-hmm. So there'll be uh, Google and AWS and yeah. Azure, and uh, you're integrating different pieces with it. And it reminds me um, back on something that Netflix did at like a um a presentation they did at some um, SQL pass or something like that. And and what they had said was that they allow all of their departments to choose right. what tools they want to use, what languages they want to use, what, you know, um, systems. And it, it, it was really effective for them, but it still baffles me on how you can be so like when you're talking about different tools, like, just having a, an SSIS integration alongside an Informatica integration. And you got two different, yeah. you know, sets. You got two different types of developers. You gotta cross-train them. And, you know, as much as they're similar, they're also very different. And now, you know, you've got this kind of multi type thing going on. It reminds me of when I worked at a 10-person startup and we were multi-cloud with Azure and AWS. See? It was yeah. like, there's 10 of us. Why are we doing this? Can we just pick one? <laughs> no, no, it's going to be both. It's whatever you want to be. Yeah. And like, there is a little bit of benefit to that because you're you kind of use what you already know. And well, there's, I, yeah. Cause you could bring in developers who or like, if your team is just prefers this, you could just mm-hmm. do it, but it would be very, I feel like your teams would then be like, it's hard enough with silos between teams, but mm-hmm. it seems like that would make it worse. Cause you would have your, your AWS team, your Azure team, your, your on-prem team. If I guess they wanted to start up a server, they could just get a closet and put some servers in. There has to be some limitations. I feel like, well, that sounds like a data scientist. Really? Right. I just need to hide the server under my desk. Um, run it on your laptop, <laughs> run it on my laptop. Yeah. Nobody needs to. Know. I mean, there are like a lot of cool things now where it's like multi-language, like mm-hmm. Databricks or whatever. Oh, you can man. use the language you want, but it seems like there has to be a, a limit on how. So Databricks, you can use any language you want, but there are some performance benefits in between yeah. them that, oh, definitely. that really make so much of difference that it's almost a little bit more complicated to know when to use what. Um, 
And I, I'm sure they'll work that out through the years because it is a pretty amazing concept to right. be able to switch in between languages. But um, I thought that was a kind of a really interesting thing to run into with them is around the performance side of that. Um, but I still I really thought there were going to be other companies that followed that suit. Um, and I have not seen another one that does something similar to that where it's multi-language. I think Cosmos is supposed to be multi-language. Ooh. But I'm not sure. More of a, I guess, more in the software end than I'm used to. But yeah. And uh, cloud security. Here's one thing that I didn't realize that people weren't aware of. Um, when you're creating a container in the cloud and you make that container public, it's that public. means that it's public. Yeah. Like anybody can get to that. Just the URL. <laughs> it's surprising that um, people don't actually know that it means that it's public. Um, and uh, I was reading an article the other day about how somebody had gone through all of the, you know, kind of public spaces yeah. to try and find different things that were open um, just to kind of prove that this is the thing. And, and what it brings up is this concept around cloud security that people aren't aware of is, is developers have these options to make something public, but um you know, that responsibility has not ever really been theirs before. Oh, yeah. You know, it's... like thinking about whether something's encrypted or not isn't like wouldn't be the first time they've ever been asked that. But most people don't have to encrypt it um, unless they're sending something through an API, which typically went through, you know, maybe a an application department, not necessarily a BI department. The you know, interesting space. Um but we've spent a lot of time on cloud security lately, and that was kind of a surprising one to me. Um, public is. Yeah, public anyone. is public. Yeah. It's so easy to set stuff up now that you don't necessarily need an infrastructure expert yeah. or security expert to oversee it. But you still kind of do need that because or at least monitoring. So, and that's like, what I found with the large companies that is um, that is a, a positive thing is that they monitor these things so that people can't just switch it to right. whatever they want. Those settings are not um, available to be changed. Um, or if you do want them available, because you might have a case, you mm -hmm. have, you can check, you can monitor and make yep. sure, Hey, daily, we've got things public that are yeah. not on the public list or something. Yeah. yeah. And um, small companies, they don't typically go that far. They're probably more likely to fall into a data breach concept problem because right. You know, yeah, because they just, just say, hey, we, need a, we got a cloud. Let's hire, you know, the data scientist, engineer, infrastructure, yeah. developer, everything no person in cloud because there's with two not a year, lot with, of yeah, with, with, it. with one year of experience. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's just go ahead and bring them in and have them set up the whole whole system. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so. The, the interesting thing with with having the security around and people, you know, watching it is there's so much red tape to go into it because now to change something for that use case, that one oddball use case that you have where something um, needs a firewall opened or, you know, something needs to happen. Like there's so much red tape in it yeah. that you have to get through that and spend however much time that takes to do it. And so um, there's always that kind of question around balance in that space. How much red tape is too much red tape? Yeah. You know, at what point do people just stop following the rules? Right. Or if you can, like, 
it's kind of hard to set them up correctly. Like I was trying to set up some things with the correct security and I was like, yeah, I'm gonna, <laughs> I got to just reach out to the security team because this is like networking is not my thing. So like yeah. me trying to just do it, I was like, I'm, there's no way I'm going to get it right. So I've learned like, a lot about um, about ACLs, SAS tokens mm-hmm. and account keys lately. Yeah. Um, and I think in previous spaces where I would be using something at like a small company, I would have grabbed like the account key and store it in key vault. But, mm-hmm. you know, I would have yeah. given my small team, you know, the account key and and gone on my merry way. Um, and when you think about like the, the full access that you get with an yeah. account key, yeah, sure. You can switch it, but you're also giving people like admin. It's just the same as giving people admin to the server. Right. And just passing that along. And um, it's uh, they've got some really interesting things around how you can kind of provide older security around um, ACLs and RBAC that it's like container level and SAS tokens. And uh, they've got like several different ones that, that you can use. And I could probably rant on that for a lot longer. But, yeah. um, but it's, it's there's this need to have that kind of information that you maybe didn't have before, even at a developer level to understand how to do those things is yep. really important because I can come in and tell you how it should be done or how you can design it to where it's secure. But like, I'm not going to sit there and manage all of that for like the next you know, 10 years. Somebody's yeah. got to do that. And they've it's also got to know why they're doing it. It's definitely a lot more on the developers now. Mm-hmm. So that nobody goes and before, hands off some account key. And, yeah. Yeah. Like before you just had an infrastructure team, you yeah, had a server. You wouldn't worry you about that. Yeah, you go, you can you do can any send of it. an email to IT yeah. and get access to that folder. And now, right. you know, you don't need to worry yeah. about it, but it's a totally different space. Yeah. All right. I'm go to the topic of the day. Um, all right. Yeah. So, injected, so injected, injected priorities. priorities. My favorite topic. Yeah. Uh, so have you ever have you ever have you ever had to deal with an injected priority? Have you ever had to come up with somebody who just wandered up and said, "Hey, I want this today." So, I know there's that very important high priority thing you're working on you know. that I told you is your top priority, <laughs> not let anything interrupt you. you but know. you know, I'm here and I'm your boss. So if you could just go ahead and tackle these other eight things for me today. Yeah. And then I will ask you about the thing that you're supposed to be working on right after you get done with the new thing that I just gave you. I'm not even gonna let you get done. I'm gonna come back <laughs> 20 minutes later and say, Hey, did you finish that top priority thing you were on? Yeah. After I just gave you eight new things to work on. So this is like the funny thing that we always joke about, right? But there's a little bit of reality in it that has to be addressed. And that is, what do you do with an injected priority? Really, like this, everything has to be dropped to do this, right? And and you have to do something. Well, does it? Maybe, (laughs) maybe not. There's, There's that problem, right? There's the guy that's always like, and I mean... Guy, I'm very biased here, guy or girl um, that shows up with that thing that always has to be done. It's like once a day. If you're really, really lucky, like once every other day, but there's always that person that just knows they can get away with doing this. Yeah, um, we called it Frank. <laughs> it was Frank at 4 p.m. every day. Yes. We knew it was, we knew it was like there. <laughs> we knew it's almost time to pack up and go home when Frank showed up. And yeah, what do you do with that? And and so there's the concept with the kind of the agile space, which is you don't, you don't allow that to happen. Um, but in every company I've ever been at, that doesn't happen. Yeah. 
I've never seen anyone. I mean, maybe you might be able to stand your ground on 75% of the things, but 25 you're losing. Right. And so even at that kind of um, success, you know, rate in that space, you're still giving way to 25% of things that are going to be injected priorities, whether you like it or not. And that is, you know, business is not always on your side for that. Um, they'll see you as a blocker and not a helper. Right. Cause they're the ones who have the inject the new priority. Yes, absolutely. Um, and they don't understand why it is, you know, why it costs so much to switch, even though we've gone over this a hundred times, right. even though we've got charts and classes and all kinds of things that revolve around this, it still happens. And so you come back to the concept of what do you do with the injected priority? Right. It's not just the switching that switching obviously takes is a loss, but you're probably working on whatever the highest priority item is. Mm -hmm. So then they inject the new priority item. Now it's the so now you're just not priority. working on the other item, mm -hmm. which they still expect to get done in the same amount of time, yeah. which makes sprint planning completely useless right. because you planned out a sprint that you're, you know, I mean, half of it's not going to get done. And so you've kind of messed up your entire uh, agile methodology. Uh, maybe that's a question for somebody that has maybe a lot more agile experience than I do, but what does somebody do with that? Do you just allow it to mess it up? Well, like, so in with scrum and official scrum rules, there can be no injected priority. Yeah. So but literally everything has to come in at the start of a sprint. If, so if there is a new by the book, by the book, if there's an injected priority, the whole sprint stops and is reformed. Yes. But, but obviously that's I mean, I've also never worked anywhere that actually did scrum. So, you know, and I will say when I was part of a <laughs> that's another topic. Yeah. When I was part of like a a, a full development team and I was mm -hmm. like the database person on the team, like there was a lot less like mid sprint new priority items for them because software was OK moving at a sprint speed. But I found that analytics is not like there's always going to be. You know, you know, when you're building a new page on a website, there might be some minor changes, but you're probably going to be working on that accepted yeah. that you're going to work for a few six weeks on this website and you can break it into like a two week sprint or whatever. Yeah. But nobody works on a six week like question. I don't know. What, what do you call it? Like if somebody asks what for it, a piece yeah. of data, like if they have a question about the data, you're not you're not on a six week cycle. You can't really break it into two week sprints. It's going to be, I need this question today and tomorrow I'm going to have a new question. Even with that, it's, it's, how do you even define what it's going to take to get you to answer that question? And depending on how complex the question is in itself, right? You know, do I need to go back and get the data from somewhere? Do I, you know, how far do right. I need to go for this? Um, and that's where you kind of get into that, like, um, kind of concept around, being able to tell how long something's going to be able to take. Right. Um, I hate that question. And even, even now I find that happens all the time. Yeah. So how long is this going to take? Well, we've never done it before and I don't know anybody that's ever done it before, but I think it'll take about a week. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> like, always been the estimation but, more topics, but estimation is a waste <laughs> of everybody's time and shouldn't be done. Um, so, so then you've got estimation, right? So, so your injected priority throws off every bit of everything you've done so far, yeah. even if it's agile or not agile, like well, yeah, it just it it derails everything, everything. Yeah. So now you've still got this one week deadline and you've got, 
um, you know, all of these things. And, and the thing about it is that people don't adapt to that. We don't go back and say, okay, now it's a week and a half because of this thing. Right. Like there isn't anybody that's watching things so closely that that's happening. You're just, now you've got this new thing and you've got a one week deadline on that other thing. And it, it's an interesting kind of um, concept because people don't, when it comes around to that one week deadline, they're going to be like, where is it? Right. You said you'd get it done. Never mind that I've been at your desk every day at four <laughs> o'clock to give you a new thing. Right. But yeah, you said you, you were going to get that done. done. And so it's in, it's interesting because it doesn't seem to dawn on that person. Yeah. That like, and it doesn't matter. You could have so many like charts and graphs of, you know, I've done it before. Like you've got a big Kanban board you've got one emergency lane and here's your emergency high priority. It's in bright flashing red. And they're like, well, where's this uh, thing? Three, three items down the list. It's like, well, it's the third in the it's list not going like, anywhere. Yes. Right. You are no, the top number one, third list yeah. priority, but no, it's, but, but we had a deadline we said it would be done. Yes. So why isn't it done? It's like, yes. see that flashing red light up there? Like, it doesn't matter. Nope. It doesn't. And, and once that light goes off, then everything was done, right? Like all of this stuff was done. Maybe it's not just a problem of an injected priority, but understanding how that whole thing functions right. um, and how to adapt it for something more like a, a BI um kind of analytic space. Yeah, is, that's, I think that's it's the, different. the big challenge. Cause like, I think when somebody says, Hey, I need an application, like mm -hmm. you, you there's at least some understanding out, yeah. that they don't applications are a complicated thing and there's unknowns there. But like, I feel like when they just have a question of like how many sale widgets were sold in this period, like they just, they, they don't understand why they can't just get an answer. Like they don't, see the complexity behind it. Yeah. And, and I don't know how to make them realize that. So the, the interesting thing too, there is um, something that I need today from analytics is going to be an answer to a question. And that question can be relevant today and completely irrelevant right. tomorrow. And so the, the speed to the information is everything that matters. So if I'm derailing other things, then Maybe I actually do need to derail those other things right. to make that one thing happen. Um, but that's not always the case. It's not always. And that's the problem with different. The problem with analytics is you also have a lot of questions coming in from different people, mm -hmm. especially with a centralized team. Yeah. But I'd say I think but like for them to be able to do it, they still need a lot of engineer help to get the data to oh, a yeah. specific location or maybe. Yeah, there can still wrong. be a, a ton of work behind a question mm -hmm. that people don't see. Yeah. And then you've got different people asking different questions with different priorities and then none of them really know the other priorities. So it's hard to say whose question. Also, if it's just a question, you don't know which is the most important question. You, you might not know which, which answer is going to like drive the business forward. So everyone just throws their questions out there and wants them immediately. Self-service BI. Well, there yeah, you go. That's, <laughs> that's, that's a whole different set of issues then. Yes. Um, but like to me, like you had, okay, you had like waterfall and that was when software was, you know, put on a disc and sent out yeah. over the course of months or years. And then that, you know, with the internet that became not fast enough. That's why agile was developed for more software development, which mm -hmm. was, could be measured in months and weeks. Yeah. But I feel like BI is in hours. So like, it's still not like even the standard agile practices aren't fast enough to like you sometimes like 
to answer a question, like even a Kanban board, like putting a card on a board is more admin work than, you know, digging in and solving the problem yes. sometimes. Mm -hmm. So, but it's, you never really know which one it's going to be. So then you go back and you, so uh, my, my thing that I've gone on for probably many years now is, is having, um, a specific outline that's different for the BI space, even different from engineers and analytics. You're talking about a process that's got to operate differently than a software development type of right. scenario. It has to. Yeah. And I'd say we keep trying to apply those same yes, methods to a totally different area. And it's, it's like the neglected um, kind of space for that. And so, I found Kanban works the best, yeah. but even then you're still violating a ton of rules in yeah. Kanban, like, you know, going backwards, starting something that wasn't really ready to start and then yeah. going backwards or trying to alter that into a spike so you can send it forward and then create a new card. And now you're doing all of this kind of admin yeah. work that is, it becomes totally uh, unnecessary and it, it just doesn't feel like it's helping. Yeah. It's um, definitely, it's closer to support than like software development, which is support usually does Kanban because you have this thing is broke mm -hmm. ticket. Yeah. Process, solve it or, you know, throw it over to the development team because it's some other issue. Yeah. So like it's closer to that, but I'd still say like, it's not, it's not as clear as like, here's an issue, solve the issue. Cause like quite one, it's, People have questions and they want questions to be more personal. Like they don't want to have to submit a ticket like something is broken. They want to just be able to come over and ask a question. And then two, you, you don't always like that question will probably spawn other questions and things. Always it's does. not quite I mean, as clear cut. I mean, not that all support issues are always clear cut, but they, they tend to be um, at least a little more technically the one thing, right? Yeah. It's, and, it's a bit more technical. Whereas like BI tickets are a little less technical, yeah. still, but they take a lot of technical back work to get there. You still have the final solution. Like if my mic isn't working, then you know that you're not done until right. the mic is working yeah. and it might have many different tangents to yeah. go on. But with BI, you start with, should my mic work? Right. Well, what is microphone? <laughs> what, what is this thing? Um, and, <laughs> and how much does it cost to have that microphone work? Mm -hmm. What if I made 10 of them? You know, yeah. you're going into that same thing you're talking about with the more questions. Um, do we need a microphone? <laughs> do we need one? Um, so it's a, yeah, it is a different space and it, we just have not found, I've not found good methods for dealing with any kind of injected priority, whether it be a large company, a small company, a medium-sized company. They've all had those problems. Um, they have not solved them in any way. I've done, you know, sprints and Kanban and, I mean, you name it. And it always starts out really great. And then eventually becomes like this admin thing where we're adding cards, like, you know, way after the fact of doing something and it, you know, it just doesn't, doesn't work as well. So let's say I'm at a company. I'm like the one person who has to build an analytics thing mm -hmm. and I'm having this issue. And I say, Amber, please help me with my injected priorities. How do I get anything done? Mm -hmm. 
what what do I do? What's the one thing I can do? One thing you can do. Well, I guess you have to start figuring out who who is the one. Um, and the only thing you can do is filter them. You can't stop them. You just filter them out of that person's view, right? And developers should really never be seeing those injected priorities in the way that they do. Like it shouldn't be just walk up to any analytics developer person and then, you know, and it is. And that's typically, well, I don't know. It's a lack of process and sometimes it's a lack of people. Yeah. Um, I'd say it's usually a lack of people. Yeah. This, this is a really big problem in like smaller companies or ones with young analytics groups yeah. of just. I think you need people yeah. to do those things, but you also need people to do the other things. So, you know, you got to at some point you have to take a pick and what people will pick is the injected priority every time right. because it's always got a sense of urgency. People are super happy when you do it. You know, um, backlash is not until much later. It also, yeah, it also can depend a lot on where your analytics is at, because if you're early on, like you just have to do whatever comes and make people happy so Mm -hmm. they see value in it and hopefully let you build a process and everything around it. Yeah. But if you're not, if you're really early on, you can't really be like, no, I don't want to answer these questions. I have these other things I'm trying to work on. You would never. And yeah, because it's so much about like building trust. And they wonder why people get so jaded over the years. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> like it's just, you have to like, cause we're also in the business of convincing them the value of data, right? which is still mind blowing, but. Maybe that's why it gets so much neglect. Still convincing people of the value, yeah. which is funny because people consistently now I see like data is the new yep. You know, everything, the new gold, the, the new, new oil, gold, the, the new, new whatever. Oil. Yeah. Yeah. But still, when you comes to actually giving them the data. They're still willing to just sacrifice that entire space. Yeah. Like it's, they just it's don't the under, first they, thing that can go. They want the data, but they just don't want to put the effort into. Yeah. Creating yeah. that part of their business. I mean, it's just ones and zeros. Put them in a thing and let's go. Yeah. And that part of it is the marketing around. BI and stuff. It's like, yeah. oh yeah, you've got all this data. We're just gonna you plug in this one little thing and we're gonna turn that into insights for your company. And they don't they gloss over the whole work that has to go behind it. Do any of those actually work? No. I if they did, we wouldn't be employed. Yeah, that'll be that'll be a whole <laughs> new topic is BI tools. Uh thanks for listening. Check out our data videos on YouTube at youtube.com slash no queries and be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcatcher so you don't miss out on future discussions with Amber about data. Yay.